On Tuesday this week, the United Nations Human Rights Council started the fourth cycle of China Review during its 45th session of UPR, Universal Periodic Review. It is a peer review of the human rights records of all 193 UN member states where states are expected to spell out steps they have taken to implement recommendations posed during their previous reviews which they committed to follow up on and highlight recent human rights developments in the country. To discuss more on the current fourth cycle of UPR on China, I'm pleased to have Representative Tile Chuki from the Tibet Bureau Office joining us from Geneva. Uh, and welcome to our program, Tilela. So we discuss about the uh, fourth cycle of uh, UPR, specifically on review on China's uh, rights record. So can you briefly tell us uh, what does uh, UPR uh, mean for Tibetan, for Tibet, and also for the uh, human rights uh, defenders around the world today? Right. Um, UPR, uh, of course, Universal Periodic Review, is one of the most important platforms for other member countries to assess, uh, review and recommend uh, about the human rights situation in their peer group. So this is not unlike others, um, other mechanisms. This is not something that the UN does. It's more the member states talk about each other's human rights records. And therefore, I think it is a very important platform for Tibet because you have um, nearly 160 odd members, uh, member states who really talk about what are the key human rights uh, issues that they think are uh, important and also uh, where they seek uh, improvement and development. And therefore, I think uh, for Tibet, uh, it is uh, definitely a very important stage uh, to portray that uh, Tibet re remains a very relevant uh, issue in the current um, international scenario and a very important stage to sort of highlight uh, the deplorable human rights situation in Tibet. And for human rights defenders, of course, um, we do not have many cases where individual human rights uh, defenders' names are um, sort of brought about, but then definitely um, concerns about the situation of human rights defenders are often uh, discussed. So this platform, unlike any other platform, uh, brings together member states uh, and also an opportunity for the member states to comment, review and uh, recommend about the human rights situation in their peer group. And uh, yesterday during the uh, China review on its first day at the 45th uh, session of the UPR, uh, there was a record number of 160 member states uh, who spoke about, uh, who spoke on China's human rights uh, record, many in praise of China. And we, all, we have also seen uh, around uh, 20 countries uh, spoke on China's failing human rights uh, record in Tibet and in East Turkestan and Hong Kong and other countries. So um, can you tell us uh, what does the oral statement presented or made by these uh, member states uh, mean for Tibet at the UN? Yes, uh, as you rightly noted, uh, there were uh, 24 countries that specifically mentioned Tibet in their recommendations out of which uh, 21 countries raised serious concerns and recommendations about uh, the situation of human rights in Tibet. And definitely this is a huge success for uh, Tibetans and their advocacy work.
it's it's generally the idea that when you do so many advocacy campaigns and when you really uh, reach out to the member states to talk about Tibet, uh, these are the platforms that we are looking at uh, when they publicly talk about Tibet. So I think definitely uh, this is a huge, huge success for uh, Tibetans uh, to know, uh, to realize that the member states continue to uh, have serious concerns about Tibetans, uh, about the situation in Tibet. And um, uh, yes, um, as you said, uh, 160 countries uh, mentioned uh, uh mentioned or spoke about the human rights situation in China. Uh, and uh, not surprisingly, many uh, definitely um, had their praises uh, for uh, China. But I think uh, it is very important to know that um, uh, nearly uh, 20 countries mentioned specifically Tibet and uh, spoke about uh, this. And uh, for Tibetans inside Tibet, this gives huge hope. Um, huge um, motivation, uh, reassurance uh, to know that uh, the international community uh, continues to care uh, for Tibet and Tibetans and for uh, people in exile uh, to know that when they uh, carry out their advocacy campaigns, when they uh, knock on the doors of the parliamentarians, when they knock on the doors of the governments, uh, these governments take them seriously and um, sort of uh, question China wherever possible and whenever possible. So this definitely is a huge um, success for Tibetans, I must say. Indeed, I, th I think it's a success uh, because uh, last time, uh, during the third cycle, uh, I believe there were uh, 12 uh, member states who raised uh, concern on Tibet, and this time the number rose to 20. So um, China, during its uh, UPR review in 2018, uh, UN member state uh, specifically singled out concerns, uh, in particular over uh, freedom of uh, religion and belief, freedom of expression and assembly, uh, the imprisonment of uh, Tibetan language activists, uh, advocates Tashi Wangchu and uh, crackdown on Tibetan Buddhist uh, lamas and call for unhindered access uh, for UN representatives uh, to Tibet, right? So do you see any positive changes or rectification on the part of China based on the UPR uh, submissions? And also, uh, what are uh, the uh, changes or differences in the process uh, at the UPR you have seen over the uh, uh, last cycle? Yes, um, I wanted to add on that uh, when I said uh, this is a huge success for Tibetans. If you look at the previous uh, uh, cycle, uh, the third cycle of uh, the uh, UPR on China, uh, we had around nine countries mentioning Tibet and uh, there were roughly uh, around... Uh, uh, 11 uh, recommendations on, on Tibet, but uh, this time the numbers have doubled, uh, more than doubled. In fact, uh, we had uh, 20 countries uh, mentioning specifically Tibet and we have uh, 24 uh, specific recommendations on Tibet. So definitely we have come a huge, um, uh, we have, we have really progressed uh, and our messages are reaching and are resonating in the international community. Member states are uh, taking uh, our uh, concerns uh, more seriously. So I think uh, this is a huge um, improvement for us. And uh, when you speak about the changes, for example, if you look at um, the third cycle of uh, UPR, 
there were many countries which had lavish uh, praises uh, for China about its improvement and, and etc. But then uh, this time that tone was uh, much more muted. Uh, the countries that did uh, commend China, they were more on, uh, you know, continue to improve or, or, or things like that, but not as um, as uh, lavishly uh, praising uh, or openly praising China as the last cycle. So I think that is important. And also, um, if you look at uh, the current uh, cycle of the UPR, uh, if you if you go through the recommendations, uh, the numbers that we are talking about, the 20 countries mentioning Tibet, these are specific mentions of Tibet. But also what you have to remember is that many uh, member states also uh, recommended China uh, to implement the a treaty body uh, concluding observations and recommendations. So, for example, the UN um, Committee on Economic, Social and Cultural Rights Review that uh, just happened last year, they have come out with a very, very uh, strong recommendations on Tibet, for example, closing down of coercive boarding schools across Tibet, ensuring that uh, rural uh, uh, schools are opened, reopened, uh, ensuring that uh, the language is, um, uh, the Tibetan language is uh, used in uh, more uh, in in more of a bilingual setup, not uh, just as uh, one of the languages that is taught. So uh, we had very strong recommendations also on protection of freedom of religion um, uh, and etc. So I think when we are counting the specific mentions of Tibet, that is 20 countries, but then there were many more countries that really uh, called China to, called upon China to implement the recommendations of the treaty bodies like the UNSSR. Also, we had the CEDAW review, the uh, discrimination against women uh, in China review. And even during those, uh, even during that review, there were very specific mentions of uh, Tibet uh, to ensure that there is more uh, leadership um, uh, positions created for Tibetans, uh, uh, eradication or elimination of discrimination against Tibetan women, um, eradication of discrimination against uh, uh, Tibetan women religious practitioners. So there were very specific recommendations in these treaty bodies as well. So when the members, member countries specifically say that, um, uh, that we have to implement the uh, recommendations from these treaty bodies, that also includes uh, recommendations on Tibet. So if you count those, I'm sure that there are over um, 35, 40, nearly 40 recommendations uh, on specifically on ensuring that there is uh, the recommendations of the treaty bodies are implemented. Uh, more access is given to the UN bodies uh, to China because access to China uh, also includes access to Tibet. And then again, uh, there are recommendations on uh, protection of religious beliefs of uh, minorities because, uh, you know, uh, China considers Tibetans as uh, minorities. But then for us Tibetans, we have been minoritized by China uh, after the 1959 occupation of Tibet. So uh, if you include and add all those recommendations, definitely, uh, you know, the recommendations on uh, on Tibetans uh, are nearly, uh, you know, uh, 40 countries have spoken uh, on Tibet. Um, having said that, I think uh, for the current uh, cycle of the UPR, uh, the recommendations were very specifically um, 
uh, sort of categorized into one, uh, the situations, the boarding schools. Many countries called out China on the uh, coercive boarding schools and called upon China to close them down. Um, second was on protection of cultural heritage and protection of uh, freedom of religion of Tibetans. Uh, Czech Republic was very uh, critical of that and said that they have serious concerns uh, of uh, violations of uh, religious freedoms of Tibetan Buddhists and that uh, the ri those rights should be protected. Uh, U.S. had very uh, specific recommendations as well. So if you look at uh, those categories, I think one would be the boarding schools, one would be the uh, uh, freedom of religion, the other would be language rights. And then, of course, uh, there were concerns raised about environmental issues and, and human rights defenders. So those are the broad categories where, you know, the Tibetan issues were raised uh, and discussed. Can you take us through the process, uh, your office in preparation for this 45th UNHRC fourth cycle on China review? Um, what are the key issues of human rights repression in Tibet that your office has um, raised in the submission this time? Right. So um, if you look at uh, the entire process of UPR, it uh, generally happens once in four or five years, uh, depending upon how the countries are um, sort of slated for the UPR review. And um, uh, in the last, uh, in during the last cycle of the UPR, we had uh, participated in the written submission and and uh, shadow report. Similarly, even in this uh, cycle, we had uh, from our office, uh, we had submitted um, the uh, report on uh, the situation of human rights in Tibet. Um, of course, uh, at the helm was the Department of Information and International Relations. Uh, we have our uh, team in um, Dharamsala uh, working on the uh, human rights situation, uh, monitoring regularly uh, as, as well as we do. So we had uh, submitted a, a detailed report on the uh, human rights situation in Tibet and our recommendations and calls were again mostly on uh, the ensuring that uh, Tibetans are guaranteed uh, religious freedom, uh, not just uh, in the laws, but uh, those guarantees should be implemented and those rights should be protected at the ground level as well. And then, of course, on the closing down of the colonial boarding schools because these are not just uh, aimed at uh, aimed at the current generation but if we do not close down these uh, coercive residential boarding schools they hit at the cultural identity and uh, and the identity of tibetans uh, as a whole so we had called uh, for shutting off uh, shutting down of those coercive um, boarding schools and um, then we had called for release of uh, political prisoners um, and uh, human rights defenders who are languishing uh, after unfair trial uh, against them uh, in political prisons. So we had uh, called for their uh, release as well. Um, after the submission of the report uh, in coordination with the Department of Information and International Relations, we had reached out to all our uh, OOTs, uh, offices of Tibet across the world, and um, the representatives from each of those um, offices of Tibet have reached out to the countries under their jurisdiction for support and called for uh, called upon those countries to. Uh, ensure that the situation of Tibet is mentioned and raised um, at um, at the UN. So I think this has been a very uh, collaborative uh, work that uh, has been 
carried out by all the offices of Tibet um, under the guidance and uh, direction of the Department of Information and International Relations. And I think the results are uh, have come out very strong. And as I said, uh, it has been a huge progress from the last uh, UPR. And uh, Tilila, you're one of the speakers at a site event, uh, actually two site events that you have attended. Uh, one that is on the eve of the, uh, the UPR, uh, where uh, it's organized by the Helsinki Foundation for Human Rights, where you share a platform uh, of like panel with the fellow members of civil society and uh, human rights activists on Tibet. Uh, and also one that uh, you have um, attended uh, right after the UPR session, which was yesterday. So. Um, can you tell us uh, what were the core uh, concerns and issues that were discussed among? Yes. Um, so we had uh, uh, two side events. One was uh, pre-UPR and one uh, post-UPR. The pre-UPR um, side event was organized by Helsinki Foundation for Human Rights. And it was uh, a privilege and an honor to share the stage with uh, um, Pujung Tsringla, the director of uh, International Campaign for Tibet, um, and also with uh, Lharun Tetongla, the director of uh, Tibet Action Institute, uh, as well as, uh, you know, with Kai, who was Kai Muller, um, the uh, executive director of International Campaign for Tibet Europe, Germany, sorry, um, uh, who was moderating the entire event. So during this UPR, we, uh, all the panelists sort of discussed uh, the major concerns uh, about the human rights situation in Tibet, including, of course, uh, the uh, almost uh, non-existent um, uh, freedom of religion that uh, Tibetans are uh, are uh, deprived of. Uh, for example, uh, as simple as uh, Tibetans not being allowed to possess uh, and revel. Uh, the pictures of His Holiness the Dalai Lama, uh, the restrictions uh, that are being imposed on the uh, reincarnated lamas, the, the the rules, the slew of rules and regulations that are being um, imposed upon Tibetans, uh, monitoring, regulating their day-to-day -day religious activities. Um, and then, of course, the situation of uh, the coercive boarding schools uh, and the need uh, for these to be shut down um, and also about the cultural rights of Tibetans and how the Tibetan nomads are being um, sort of forcefully relocated from uh, the nomad uh, lands. Um, so I think these these were some of the most important issues that we discussed uh, during the pre-UPR session. Um, it was very encouraging to see that uh, we had a recorded message from uh, Madam Undersecretary Azrazia uh, highlighting the uh, concerns that uh, we have often raised uh, with uh, the U.S. Department of State. And um, also, we had the U.S. Ambassador uh, to the U.N. Uh, here, uh, Ambassador Taylor, who was present at the uh, session, and she also took the floor and delivered a very strong statement of support uh, for uh, Tibetans at the uh, UPR. And then um, after the UPR, we had a post uh, a post UPR session where uh, we had uh, Dr. Gyalo, Dr. Uh, Sophie Richardson, and um, 
uh, Vincent uh, Metten from uh, International Campaign for Tibet, uh, Hanno Shedler from Society for Threatened People. And then we also had for the first time two young Tibetans uh, taking the floor at the UN side event, one uh, from the uh, Tibetan Youth Association for Europe, uh, Tinle Shitsitang, and then from uh, Voluntary Tibet Advocacy Group, uh, Switzerland, VTAG Switzerland, Tenzin Kando. Um, and this uh, side event was more aimed to discuss what happened, how Tibet was uh, discussed, uh, what their take was uh, on the um, on the entire session. Uh, and uh, it is very important to highlight today that uh, during the side event, we also had representation from the People's Republic of China. Uh, the diplomat, the government official uh, was present and uh, wanted to interact uh, during the question and answer session uh, at the event. And uh, I think uh, one of the concerns that he raised on behalf of the government was that there were uh, 130 countries that praised uh, and commended China on its progress and that we are not highlighting that. Uh, but then what needs to be understood is that um, 20 countries have raised serious concerns about uh, situation inside Tibet. The the 160 countries that did uh, commended China uh, really had a very uh, muted uh, uh, conversation, more in terms of uh, asking for further improvement. Uh, as I've already said, unlike previous uh, previous uh, cycle where there was just open open uh, praises uh, on China, um, and also. It was very interesting to see that uh, the government delegation found it so important uh, that uh, he had to attend a side event after having three hours of opportunity to discuss and uh, say their side also wanted to come to our side event and and make their case. Uh, but having said that, I think uh, Dr. Richardson, uh, Sophie Richardson really uh, put to them saying that uh, now, what is more important is that these concerns that the countries have raised are are uh, the true facts, uh, the reality of human rights situation uh, that is being that has been portrayed at the UPR session, and uh, not parroting uh, some party line, uh, uh, unlike others. So I think that was a very important uh, important discussion, a brief uh, uh, discussion there during the side event. Okay, and uh, before I sign off uh, with this uh, conversation, um, can you tell us how can uh, the UN, through its mechanism of uh, such as the UPR, uh, not only hold uh, China accountable uh, for the gross uh, human rights violations, uh, but also ensure uh, changes in China's behavior and other actions? Uh, right, I think... Um what was very evident during this UPR uh, was how China is using the loopholes uh, in the system. For example, uh, you have seen the entire UPR process. The member states were really rushing through their recommendations because uh, each member state was given only 45 seconds uh, to speak. And 45 seconds, honestly speaking, is not enough time for countries, member states to raise uh, their concerns. So definitely, I think the uh, first of all, to begin with, uh, the UN uh, should really look at ensuring that if there are more than uh, a set number of uh, countries or members
member states that want to participate in the UPR system, the time uh, slot should definitely be increased so that the duration, uh, you know, there should be some sort of a trigger mechanism where if there are these many countries that want to sort of recommend uh, and participate in the process, then the time allotted should be uh, increased to uh, to certain number. Otherwise, uh, it it really was just the member countries, you know, just jumping into the recommendation mode and not really sort of having enough time to go through their uh, recommendations. So that is uh, one uh, one suggestion that definitely the UN really needs to look into. Um, in terms of what we can expect post-UPR, I think even in during the third cycle of UPR, there were very strong recommendations from member countries, uh, but then where China failed was at implementation. So the member countries really need to push for the country, for China to implement the recommendations that they have made. Similarly, now with the fourth cycle of the UPR, we have 20 mentions of uh, of Tibet specifically, 20 countries mentioning Tibet specifically, and then we have much more recommendations where uh, which are applicable for Tibet. So I think the member countries that have made these recommendations should really look at ensuring that China implements those recommendations and takes those recommendations seriously. Uh, that is one thing. Um, secondly, of course, uh, there's uh, the, the entire UPR process is not yet over because we just had the recommendations being made to uh, China and you know, China will now look into in the entire set of recommendations and it will adopt the recommendations, uh, whichever they think uh, are feasible and, and are acceptable. So they'll accept those recommendations and the ones that they think are not feasible or not viable or that they do not have the political will to implement, they will reject it. So the entire UPR adoption will happen in June-July session. Uh, so I think we have to see how China sort of responds to those uh, those recommendations uh, officially. And then, of course, uh, we will have uh, much more um, leeway sort of uh, to push for uh, the member countries to uh, ensure that their recommendations are adopted and uh, are uh, sort of implemented uh, in China and specifically in Tibet. Um, also, what we have to remember is that UPR recommendations are are not legally binding, whereas the treaty body recommendations are. So this uh, connection of uh, how member countries have stated that the recommendations from the treaty bodies need to be implemented at um, in, uh, need to be implemented in China. I think those really hold ground. So that you are now now giving um, ensuring that in your recommendations the legally binding recommendations are also included. So uh, you know, as I said. Uh, these are also applicable for Tibet. And therefore, I think um, definitely we have to push uh, these countries uh, and also the entire UN system to ensure that China is held accountable and also ensure that China implements these, uh, these recommendations. Um, thank you, Tilela. Thank you so much for talking to us and it was wonderful talking to you. And this has been a very insightful discussion on the fourth cycle of UPR on China Review. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching and see you all in the next episode of In Conversation with Tibet TV. Thank you.